0: Welcome to the AJP Podcast, a podcast that discusses current events, relevant topics and emerging issues in pharmacy. I'm your host, Carleen McMoore, and together with my producer, Jared McMoore, and the Australian Journal of Pharmacy, we are bringing you a podcast that draws on the opinions and expertise of pharmacists from all settings and experience levels, from those pharmacists who've already been a voice in the profession to those who've never had their voice heard before. Two months can be a long time in politics, and as we come out of the federal election, we can see that there is always a potential for a surprise or two that can surface. At least that must be how the Guild is currently responding to the return of the Liberal Party to government. Over those two months, the Guild's position has taken a partisan approach. Many of us would be hard-pressed remembering the last time the Guild specifically backed a particular horse in the race. I expect that the relationship between the Guild and the returned government, not to mention Greg Hun as a federal health minister, will be outwardly productive, but we'll be all be left wondering if the Guild has lost a lot of ground to make up behind the scenes and what was already happening behind the scenes for the Guild to be so publicly supportive of one party over the other. We can probably look at the announcement of policies that seemed to take the Guild by surprise. The involvement of the PSA in the 7th Community Pharmacy Agreement seemed to stir up some discontentment from the Guild, despite everyone else in the industry seemingly aware of the Health Minister's position on this matter. More dramatic was the announcement of the 60-day prescription idea, an idea that was put to the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee months ago by the Department of Health as a thought experiment on ways to save money, and which is now spruced by some stakeholders as a policy developed by the PBAC that should therefore be honoured due to the impartiality of this advisory body. The Guild rightly criticised this policy. One point raised was that there was no consultation, a fact that should worry all stakeholder groups in all industries. If a government is willing to announce such a disruptive policy without ever discussing it with those affected, what else might they be willing to implement unilaterally? It should also worry pharmacists everywhere what is the state of the relationship between the government and the guild if such a piece of policy is being kept secret from the guild the guild should be congratulated for their prompt and effective response to the proposal we all have ideas on how we think the situation should have been handled but at this point we now can actually say that the following that the announcement of this plan we now know our skills work and contribution is viewed and valued in the larger scheme of the healthcare system and PBS. Unfortunately, the response to this announcement focused entirely on the financial impact and didn't address the clinical impact that would be cut in half by such a change. This tells us that there are people in our own profession and representative organisations who also don't value that clinical role we undertake with every prescription we fill. Both the government and the Guild handled this proposal in a way that was less than ideal. The government did not consider that a lot of the financial burdens placed on patients come from specialist visits and seeing doctors who do not bulk bill. When looking at the major financial costs that people endure during their patient journey, I believe that the scripts filled in pharmacy per month would be the smallest cost consideration that people have. Decision makers do not realise that filling a repeat prescription is relatively inexpensive, but seeing a doctor for a new prescription can be a significant cost. Even seeing the specialist for initial visits and follow-up for test results can be a financial burden. It is important to speak to patients about their real financial considerations when it comes to their health care and where most of their costs are going, and not just assume that saving $6.50 every second month is the real solution. The number of medication errors that have led to hospitalisation really does highlight a greater need for investment into the role of pharmacists. Money has been invested in the same way for decades. New medicines are listed at increasing costs, but the role and remuneration for individual pharmacists to practice pharmacy in a way that improves outcomes and fosters medicine safety has not only received no new funding, they have seen a reduction in funding in real terms. Maybe the solution is not to invest less into pharmacy or cause patients to visit the pharmacist less. Maybe the solution involves a change in perspective, an understanding of what pharmacists bring to medicine safety in their role in community and hospital settings. But this will only happen with more understanding of what pharmacists do and us increasing our voice. I heard so little from others within the industry regarding this 60-day proposal, whether it be individual pharmacists or other representative bodies like PSA, SHPA or PPA. If you think about the practical impact, it might cause stockpiling of medication, less discussion about side effects, Less discussion about adherence and opportunities to identify treatment failure and the need for additional treatments and the overall treatment management for the patient. This would all be missed opportunities, all because the clinical role of the pharmacist is misunderstood or discounted, including by our own profession. Very few people spoke out about the apparent ease with which pharmacist interactions with patients could just be cut in half overnight without any thought to the impact on the health of those people we speak to and serve. Instead, the focus was on the financial impacts to the pharmacy sector. If this were the only issue that is important to our sector, then let's examine it now. The 60-day plan would likely affect the revenue of the pharmacy you work for or own by 20 to 30%, depending on demographics. It would lead to pharmacist owners making decisions to literally employ less staff just to make ends meet. This could give rise to pharmacists working for minimum wage, performing a role that's mostly administrative, to maintain the viability of community pharmacies. This would not help the key areas of medication errors leading to increased hospitalization. And it would also not help to reduce PBS spending on medications, though carefully considered interactions between pharmacists and their patients about the appropriateness of an early supply or change in dose or reducing the use of that critical anticoagulant. It is time for us to use our voices to discuss the role of the pharmacist. When we think of $28 minimum wages, decreasing patient time with the pharmacist and the investment by government into pharmacy then we can see the government's priorities and views of pharmacists. But we also do not share our roles, our patient stories and how we can make a difference and what we do. This is a huge gap in what people think we do and what we actually do and it is not enough to just talk amongst ourselves the wider public needs to know. Our voices are important our experiences are important Our roles are important and we should not be quiet anymore. I worry for the next cost-saving suggestion that gets reviewed on behalf of pharmacists for pharmacists and how it would affect our patients, our profession and the wider healthcare goals and outcomes. I worry about the challenges caused by proposals made on behalf of pharmacy with the current views that are reflected in these discussions. And it's not time for everyone to be telling us what we should accept, what we do and how much it is worth and that we should take less investment into our profession. It is a time to be shouting who we are, what we do, how finances can be reinvested, and look at the changes that can be made from investment into our profession. The 60-day policy would have been a great disservice to patients and to pharmacists, and this does not reflect the views or practice of pharmacists worldwide. I would love to hear your patient stories, your role, your experiences, and the differences you are making in your community. Maybe by starting here we can change some views, but we have to start somewhere. It is scary to think about what else might be being considered and the huge impacts this would have. Please reflect and please share your views. I would also ask how we have utilised the current opportunities available. How many medication reviews or non-dispensing services have you done? How do you ensure you have meaningful conversations about medication safety with your patients you see every day? ensuring we are not absent from conversations our patients need to have with us about their medications. We have an important job to do to ensure that decision makers understand our role and how important it is. We also have to ensure that we live up to that role and perform our clinical role every day with every patient we see, deliver medication safety with every conversation and ensure that the next time money needs to be saved, they consider the role of pharmacists too important to risk cutting. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any comments, questions or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please send an email to podcast at appco.com.au or follow us on Twitter at AJPPodcast.